Part Eleven of Works of Sallust. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bologna Times. Works of Gaius Sallustius Crispus, translated by Alfred W. Pollard. Juggerthine War, Part Two. After burying him with all the splendor of a royal funeral, the princes met together for a discussion among themselves of matters in general. Hemsel, the youngest, was of a headstrong disposition, and had long looked down on Jugurtha for his low descent on his mother's side. On this occasion he took his seat on the right of Eterbal, to prevent Jugurtha holding the middle place, which the Numidians considered the seat of honor. His brother importuned him to give way to superior age, and at last, though with great reluctance, he crossed over to the other side. A discussion ensued on many points of administration, and Jugurtha, among other proposals, suggested that it would be well to cancel all the edicts and decrees of the previous five years, on the ground that during that period Mesipsa had been so weakened by age as to have little mental power. On this, Hempsel replied that he was of the same opinion himself, for it was only within the last three years that Jugurtha, by his adoption, had been admitted to authority. This remark sank deeper into Jugurtha's breast than any one thought at the time. Thenceforth, distracted by anger and fear, he intrigued planned, and indeed devoted his whole attention to plots for treacherously seizing Hempsel. These schemes progressed, but slowly. This, however, did nothing to soften his savage spirit, and he determined to carry out his design by any means that offered. At that first meeting between the princes, which I have mentioned, they had determined, as a safeguard against disputes, to divide the treasures and to settle the limits of their several dominions. A date was fixed for each of these measures, but the division of the money was to be made first. Meanwhile, the princes retired to different places in the neighborhood of the treasury, and it so happened that Hempsel, who was in the town of Thermida, occupied the house of a man who had acted as Jugurtha's nearest attendant, and had always been esteemed and favored by him. Finding this instrument offered him by chance, Jugurtha loaded him with promises, and induced him, on pretense of visiting his own property, to go to his house and procure copies of the keys to the gates, as the true ones were always delivered to Hempstall. For the rest, he said, that on a fitting opportunity he would come in person with a strong body of followers. The Numidian soon executed his orders and, according to his instructions, admitted Jugurtha's soldiers by night. They burst into the house, and searched for the king in every direction, killing some of his attendants as they slept, and others as they ran out to meet them, ransacking every recess, breaking bars and bolts, and, with their noise and tumult, causing a general confusion. In the midst of this, Hemsel was found hiding in the hut of a female slave, whither at the outset he had fled in his fright and ignorance of the place. The Numidians, according to their orders, conveyed his head to Jugurtha. 
the news of so great an outrage was quickly spread throughout africa and fear came upon adherbal and upon all who had lived under the rule of Mitsipsa. the numidians separated into two parties the larger of which followed adherbal while the more warlike joined his rival jugurtha armed as large forces as he could won over the cities to his government in some cases by force in others with their own consent and prepared to assert his rule over all numidia meanwhile adherbal had dispatched an embassy to rome to inform the senate of his brother's murder and his own position but trusting in the numbers of his troops was also preparing for open war he was soon defeated in a pitched battle and fled from the field into the roman province and subsequently to rome itself jugurtha had attained his end and now that he had gained possession of all numidia had leisure to reflect on the nature of his conduct he feared the roman people and had no other hope of defence against their anger than was afforded by the cupidity of these nobles and his own wealth in the course therefore of a few days he dispatched ambassadors to rome with a large sum in silver and gold and instructions that after loading his early friends with presents they should proceed to gain him new ones and in fine should be zealous in enlisting every ally whom money could procure the ambassadors reached rome and in accordance with their instructions sent large presents to the king's old friends and to others whose influence was at that time powerful in the senate and thus produced such a change of feeling as raised jugurtha from the greatest unpopularity into the favour and goodwill of the nobility some of these incited by the hope others by the actual receipt of a payment strove by canvassing individual senators to prevent any really serious steps being taken against him as soon, therefore, as the ambassadors felt sufficiently assured, a day was fixed, and the Senate gave a hearing in both parties. I have been informed that on this occasion Adderbal spoke to the following effect. Senators, my father Mesipsa charged me on his deathbed to account only the administration of the kingdom of Numidia as my own, the real authority and supremacy as belonging to you at the same time he bade me strive both in peace and war to serve the roman people to the utmost of my power and to regard you in the place of relations and kin if i did this your friendship he told me would serve instead of armies and treasures as the safeguard of my kingdom i was acting in obedience to my father's commands when jugurtha the blackest villain on the face of the earth in defiance of your government drove me the grandson of massinissa and by my very descent the friend and ally of the roman people from my kingdom and all my possessions senators since i was fated to reach this depth of distress i could wish that i was able to claim your help on the strength of personal not of ancestral services if possible that the roman people should have owed me for benefits received a requital i had no need to ask or at least that if i needed your services i might have received them as my due but unaided innocence is poorly secured from danger the character of jugurtha it was not mine to shape 
and so senators i fly to you for refuge to whom it is the bitterest part of my fate that i must be a burden before i can be a help all other kings were admitted to your friendship after being conquered in war or sought your alliance when their own fate was in the balance my family formed its friendship with the roman people in the carthaginian war when we could hope to find in you no more than a loyal though luckless ally of these old confederates i am the descendant and i bid you not to allow me the grandson of massinissa to ask your help in vain had i no other plea to support my request than my pitiable fortunes that i who but yesterday was a king rich in ancestry in renown and in resources am now overcast with misery and become a needy suppliant for foreign help it would yet accord with the dignity of the roman people to prevent the wrong and to refuse to allow any man to increase his kingdom by crime but the realm from which i am ousted is that which the roman people granted to my ancestors that from which my father and grandfather united with you in expelling Sufax and the carthaginians it is the gift of the senate of which i have been robbed it is you who are contemned in the wrong i suffer miserable man that i am has your kindness Mesipsa, my father resulted in this that the man whom you made the equal of your children and joint heir of your kingdom that he of all others is to be the destroyer of your race is our family never to be in peace must our lot be always one of blood of battle and of flight while the power of carthage was unbroken we suffered every cruelty as our natural due the enemy was close at hand you our allies were far away our only hope lay in our swords that plague spot was rooted out of africa and we were enjoying the delights of peace as men who had no enemies except those whom you might haply bid us regard as such when of a sudden jugurtha came upon us overweening and reckless in a burst of insolence and crime he murdered my brother his own cousin and then began seizing the kingdom as the reward of his guilt when he found that the same device failed to put me in his power he drove me when prepared for anything rather than violence and war into exile as you see in your dominions far from country and home he has heaped want and misery upon me and has rendered me anywhere safer than in my own kingdom senators i placed my faith in a maxim which i once heard my father deliver that those who diligently cherished your friendship took to themselves it was true many a toil but enjoyed in return an unequalled safety that side of the agreement which it lay with our family to perform we have carried out we have fought by your side in all your wars it lies with you senators to secure our safety in time of peace my father left behind him two sons my brother and myself and thought that his kindness would unite jugurtha to us as a third of my co-heirs the one has been murdered and i myself have hardly escaped the wicked hands of the other what am i to do whither in my misfortune were it best for me to fly every support of my family has perished my father has paid the inevitable debt to nature my brother who little deserves such a fate has been found foully slain by his cousin all my family 
connected with me, by blood or by marriage, have been overwhelmed by some form of destruction. Of those made prisoners by Jugurtha, some have been sent to the cross, others thrown to wild beasts, and the few who are still allowed to breathe are immured in darkness, and, amid sorrow and lamentation, drag out a life more bitter than death. Had I still all the supporters whom I have lost, or who have deserted me for the enemy, yet were any sudden calamity to befall me, I should still invoke the aid of your house, for the greatness of your dominion makes right and wrong throughout the earth your care. But being, as I am, an outcast from my country and my home alone, and lacking every appurtenance of my rank, whither shall I go? To whom shall I take my prayer? To the races and beings whose enmity my family has earned by its friendship for you? Is there any land I can approach where my ancestors have not left memorials in numbers of their hostility? Is there any that can have compassion upon me, who has been at any time an enemy of Rome? Finally, Senators, Massinissa laid down for us this rule, that we should seek the friendship of no people save the Roman, form no fresh alliances or engagements. In your friendship, he said, we should find protection sufficient for every need. And, should the fortunes of your empire change, it was our duty to share your fall. By your valor, and the favor of heaven, you are great and wealthy. All things are favorable, all nations obedient to you, and so it is the easier for you to make the sufferings of your allies your care. One thing, and one only, do I fear, and this is lest some be led astray by a private friendship for Jugurtha, which they have not yet had time to prove. I hear that his envoys are using every exertion, and are canvassing and importuning you, man by man, to come to no decision against the accused in his absence, and before the case has been investigated, and asserting that I come here with a lying tale, and playing the part of an exile when at liberty to remain in my kingdom. Would that I may see that man, whose unhallowed deed was hurled me to this depth of distress, playing this part that now is mine, would that either you or the immortal gods may begin to take some thought for the affairs of men. When that is so, he who is now so confident, so brilliantly successful in his crimes, will be racked with every ill, and pay the heavy penalty of his disloyalty to my father, his murder of my brother, and the misery that he has occasioned me. Brother, dear to my heart, your life was torn from you before its time, by the hand that should have been the last to do the deed. Yet I count your lot a cause for gladness rather than for grief. With your life you did not lose a kingdom, but flight, exile, beggary, and all the miseries that are crushing me. Less fortunate than you, I have been hurled from my ancestral throne into all these ills, and stand here to show what human fortune is. I know not what course to take. Can I, helpless myself, attempt to avenge your wrongs, or take thought for my kingdom when my power of life and death depends on foreign help? Would that death offered an honorable release from my troubles, and that I 
could escape well-merited contempt if, wearied out by misfortune, I submitted to wrong. As it is, I have no pleasure in life, and cannot die without disgrace. Senators, by your own selves, by your children and parents, by the dignity of the Roman people, I demand your help in my misery. Take arms against wrong-doing. Refuse to allow that kingdom of Numidia, which is your own, to languish amid crime and the blood of our family. After the king had made an end of speaking, the ambassadors of Jugurtha, in reliance rather on their bribes than on the goodness of their cause, made a brief reply. Himsel, they said, had been killed by the Numidians for his own cruelty. As for Adherbal, he had made war without provocation, and, now that he was beaten, was complaining because he had failed to inflict a wrong. All that Jugurtha sought from the Senate was that they should think of him as the man he had proved himself at Numantia, and refused to prefer the words of an enemy to the evidence of his own deeds. Each party then quitted the house, and the Senate proceeded to discuss the question. The patrons of the ambassadors, reinforced by a large section of the Senate, made light of the assertions of Adherbal, extolled Tugurtha's services, and strove by personal influence, by eloquence, and by every means in their power, to shield the crime and wickedness of a stranger as though it were their own honor that was at stake. On the other side, a few, who valued right and justice more dearly than wealth, gave as their opinion that help should be rendered to Adherbal, and the death of Hemsel sternly punished. Of these, the most conspicuous was Marcus Aemilius Scaurus, a man of high birth, an energetic partisan, greedy for power, office, and wealth, and an adept in concealing his personal vices. Perceiving the notorious and shameless character of the king's bribery, he feared lest such scandalous excess might rouse indignation, as in such a case often happens, and, therefore, restrained his usual greed. Success, nevertheless, fell to the party in the Senate which let profit and personal influence outweigh the interests of truth. A decree was passed ordering that the kingdom which Mesipsa had held should be divided between Jugurtha and Adherbal by ten commissioners. At the head of this commission was Lucius Opimius, a man of distinction, and at that time of great influence in the Senate, owing to the stern use which he had made as counsel of the nobility at the time when Gaines Gracchus and Marcus Fulvius Flaccus were murdered. At Rome, Jugurtha had counted him as one of his enemies, Nevertheless, he received him with labored respect, and by large gifts and promises succeeded in making him prefer his advantage to reputation and honor, and even to his own true interests. Approaching the other commissioners in the same way, Jugurtha gained the majority of them. It was only a few who held their honor dearer than money. In the division, the part of Numidium bordering on Mauritania, the richest in soil and population, was assigned to Jugurtha. The remainder, to which its abundance of harbors and public buildings gave the appearance, rather than the reality, of higher value, Adherbal received as his share. End of Juggerthine War, Part 2